Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Shelby! This is me! <laughs> you're I'm not good at that. I came from the <laughs> underground! <laughs> is that not close? <laughs> no, you just sound like a grandma waking up from a nap. You know, you just need a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll stop. But great intro because today we're talking about what everyone's talking about. Jordan Peele's sophomore film, Us. Yes. And uh, Shelby went and saw it despite the fact that it was a horror film. So do you want to walk us through that just to begin with? Like, how did you prepare? How did you psych yourself out for this? Well, so I decided I wouldn't read spoilers, but I read some reviews so i knew thematically some of the things that could kind of ground me and so i went in i was pretty nervous i was scared throughout but it was all in my head basically because by the end of it i realized it wasn't that scary so for anyone listening who's like can i handle this movie the answer is actually yeah i didn't i didn't think it was that scary it felt like pretty on par with get out and If you kind of just accept that it's not scary, then even the scary parts don't feel as, like, intense, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. That's my hot take. I had the same exact reaction where I went in (laughs) thinking, okay, this is going to be scary. This is going to be great. And then it was sort of very underwhelming on the scares front. And we can get into why I think that is a little bit later. But, yeah, it definitely, like, on par with... Uh, get out. There's like some creepy moments, but the other thing is most of the parts that are scariest are also in the trailer. So if you watch the trailer, you kind of like have a very good sense of what's coming of, of like where these sort of beats are going to be. You know, it's like, you know that they're going to be outside the house at night. So like, that's not a shock. You know, that people are going to be killing people with scissors. That's not a shock. Like it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. There are still some scares, but um, I actually saw it twice. So by the second go around, I was like, oh yeah, this isn't scary. (laughs) So I'm just letting you guys know, like it's not scary. So maybe you won't psych yourself up as much as I did the first go around. Yeah. I went and saw it with somebody who was seeing it for the second time. And she said that, like she needed to see it a second time just because there was so much stuff to unpack. And I didn't go see it a second time, but I sort of wished that I had. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you saw Dumbo instead. So yeah, it was a good choice, (laughs) (laughs) but it's a, it was exciting. I mean, this is a movie, obviously people were looking forward to Jordan Peele was riding high after get out, which was nominated for Oscars. And um, which won him an Oscar for best oh, yeah, screenplay. Yeah, yeah. Best so. screenplay. So it was everyone was really excited to see what he would do next. Everyone was really impressed by Get Out, critically acclaimed across the board. And I think everyone was sort of anticipating this being good. And all the early screeners were like, Oh yeah, this is amazing. This is great. This is fantastic. Like on par with Get Out. And it kept it 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes for like a good while. And then it's now settled in at 94, which is still amazing. But I'm just curious, do you think this beat the sophomore slump for him? Did it disappoint you at all? Like, what was your first takeaway reaction? Yeah, I mean, it did really well in the box office. It made mm-hmm. $71 million in its first week, which is the second best uh, opening for a live action film that's not like a 
that's not a remake like or a sequel original. or something. Yeah. Yes, it's yes the second best original opening ever behind only Avatar, which is crazy, <laughs> and and it's also it's the so third sad. best horror movie, the, the third highest horror movie behind only Halloween and It. So it like it made a lot of money. It did really mm-hmm. well. Like you said, the Rotten Tomatoes reviews are really good. I went into it very excited. I was i liked get out it wasn't my favorite movie i again wanted it to be scarier than it was Mm. but i was excited to see this because all of the press buzzing around it was like it's like get out but it's scarier it's way scarier that's the main thing that he's going here there's not like a social message it's just like straight terrifying (laughs) horror and so i was really amped up on that turns out there's it's not really straightforward (laughs) horror there's a lot of weird stuff going on (laughs) a lot of messages and afterwards i was really sort of unsure of whether or not i liked it and then the more i talked with other people i felt like the more i sort of came around to the fact that i didn't like it that much and i think that a lot of the people that i've talked to also didn't like it so i'm confused a little bit on how it has such a high rating when i think that most of the people that i have talked to about this movie were sort of like (laughs) it was fine to it was annoying in that space is that where you landed or were you higher on this i actually i liked it i loved i think i can see because i agree a lot of my friends or like rob my husband didn't love it by the end of it and i could see their points and like i could see why they ended up on that side of the spectrum i think for me i really enjoyed one that it's original and that always skews higher for me because it just shows someone's trying thinking outside the box and two I really appreciated that I walked away wanting to talk about a movie because I feel like it's been a while yeah. since like I felt like there was something to unpack and like unpuzzle. And it sort of felt like, you know, watching an episode of Lost or like having one of those moments, like maybe it's my English major coming out of me, but it was just like, oh, what does this mean? You know, like puzzling that out is just so, such a fun exercise for me that it heightens the experience. So I ended up liking it more than a lot of other people I knew who t- who kind of were disappointed. It's funny that you mentioned Lost because that is the that's the <laughs> like parallel that I've been thinking of these last couple of weeks since I yeah. saw it is that I think that it really does the same thing that Lost does where it comes in with a great premise. It, there's so much to work with there's like the beginning of it is so fantastic but then it sort of like goes off the rails and becomes unwieldy (laughs) and when you by the time you get to the end you sort of either have to be the person who like throws up their hands and is like you know what it's close enough it's you know you know fine i'll just go with it because if you're the person who's gonna sit there and nitpick it basically unravels the entire thing and and so i kind of felt like the more I sat thinking about it. The more I was like, well, that doesn't really make sense. This doesn't really check out. What is going on with this situation? What is going on with that situation? And I think that that has hurt the movie for me. Do you want to give us a quick summary of what this is about in case people haven't (laughs) seen it? For anyone who hasn't heard of it. um, Us follows a family um, on vacation in Santa Cruz and they suddenly realize they wake up one night and they're being stalked by their doppelgangers who seem to have a sinister reason for following them and trying to kill them. So it all really follows the matron of the movie played by Lupita Nyong'o named Adelaide. And then there's her husband played by Winston Duke. 
and their two children, Nova, right, and Jason. And uh, I think so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, some basic name like that. And so you start the film, and Adelaide's a little, little girl in like 1986 at a carnival with her family. She wanders off, finds herself in this funhouse of mirrors and realizes that her reflection isn't actually a reflection. And then it just dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And it's just, it's a puzzle of one. So the first half of the movie is basically like, what do these people want? Why are they after us? It's pretty much a slasher flick where there's just a lot of deaths, a lot of attacks, but not a lot of answers. And then the second half sort of turns into this, I don't know, like metaphorical thematic sort of why is this happening exploration and what does it mean and so it becomes a big world thing which i think when you compare like get out to us like get out is such a neatly packed premise a really concise film the the theme is obvious you have this racial relation there and you can follow it from start to finish and you know all the rules you understand the entire world it all makes sense whereas us is a lot meatier and it's a lot more complicated and so i think it becomes kind of difficult because like you said if you sit down you're like well what about this what about this what about this it's just such a weird world that jordan peele introduces And he takes a lot of time in trying to show you how it works that you're just sort of like, wait, you like pulled the curtain back too much. And now I can see all the flaws here. Whereas it seems like it might have operated better if it had remained mysterious and you could just accept, oh, this is a premise I don't totally understand, but we all have doppelgangers and they want to kill us. But instead, he really brings in this like, world it's like meant to exist in the real world with like real biological like consequences and stuff and i think that's where it gets muddled in the end is because the third act basically starts with this long monologue by adelaide's doppelganger red as she explains their universe and so it's sort of a impossible movie to talk about without getting into spoilers so <laughs> yeah i mean i guess i guess we'll, we'll we'll get into spoilers in a second but uh like something to talk about first. I feel like I I can appreciate a movie that takes a really big swing. Like I like yeah. movies that try for things and go for crazy stuff because sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But at least trying to do something is more interesting than doing nothing. Yeah. But I think that this movie suffered a little bit from the fact that Jordan Peele like wrote, directed, produced, get out and really had like entire creative control and it worked out so amazingly and then it feels like with this project that there was nobody there who was like checking him or being like this doesn't make sense like maybe you should tone this down it feels like he just had complete and utter like rampant control (laughs) and it just got away from him a little bit and i think the red flag for me was before i even saw the movie i read this article where he was saying you know i made this movie i made like every choice in this movie is important and every choice like that i made was for a reason but i'm not going to say what those reasons are i'm not going to talk about like the things behind (laughs) these choices like they are just there for you but know that they have meaning behind them and that for me is always a red flag because if you (laughs) don't feel confident enough to like tell us what your movie is about then 
then it's like what is, no like, that's part of the fun because it means that there are global like takeaways you can react to it differently like you know it's like everyone can watch or read lord of the rings and come away with a different experience and it's like it's the it's the death well, of the author so to speak Yes, but yes and no. Like, I don't need it to be like a J.K. Rowling situation where the <laughs> yeah. where the movie maker is like coming back and explaining everything to me. But like, the movie should be able to explain itself for itself. Right. And the and the ideas in the movie should be like clear enough that you, when asked about them, you should be able to like articulate them in a way that makes sense and not right. in a way that's like I know the meaning, but the meaning's only for me, and like you couldn't <laughs> understand it, or you need to like find it for yourself. Like the the movie movie i think is very muddled in the second half and and really you could take away just about anything from it or nothing from it based on on like whatever you're feeling when you're watching it like i was talking to people in my office today about this and like everybody sort of had a different like oh this is about like the oppression of black culture oh this is about like how we need to like reconnect as a group of people oh this is like how we're living how we're like repressing parts of ourselves down. <laughs> it's like it could so be amazing. anything yeah that's what's great it's like it's called us it's a reflection of duality it's like you see what you see it's your reflection like that's your experience echoed back to you and i think that's what makes it so interesting that's why like you know like reading dubliners in college it's like you don't know what he was trying to say but you get to interpret it how you want to you know and i think that is well actually a mark of a good writer is like i would agree that that jordan peele here gets in over his head with the logistics of this world he's built. But I would argue that he knew exactly the metaphor he wanted to root this story in. And so it's sort of like... But what is that? But there's there's the, there's the framework there for people to see a lot of different things exactly because he just intelligently laid it out for us. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no. The, here's the thing. They... If you are a genius, you can come up with a story that can be interpreted multiple ways, that has multiple interpretations that all like work and lock and fit within themselves. And I think that is what something like Dubliners or, you know, Invisible Man or whatever, like these famous literary works or Mm -hmm. these famous like masterpieces of cinema are doing. But I think that what is happening here is more akin to what happens in, say, my sophomore creative writing class, <laughs> where you turn in a story that's sort of jumbled and then say, well, it means this or it could mean that. It could mean whatever. Like, you sort of have to decide for yourself what it means. And, and it, <laughs> well, actually, no, it's just bad. And the, and I think but, that I mean, there's a certain... Has, I mean, like, he's come out and said what he thinks it's about. Like, he's come out and given his thoughts. So, like, you read one article but where he's like, I'm not going to tell you exactly why I put Nightmare on Elm Street on the VHS tape in the shot. But he's admitted to knowing the themes of the movie and having the themes that he wanted well, what to are come those across. Then? What are the well, themes he that he wanted to come across? Well, he talked about how it's a... It's a nation divided, how us can be the U.S. and how we're this nation that is constantly suppressing this like dark side and ignoring it. But then it will always come back and will always be slightly responsible for that history, for that reaction, for the, you know, the evil at our core, the darkness at our core. It's also he mentioned how it's like, you know, he said... 
um, he if that is what about... he was like trying to interpret, I I did not get that at all. So if that was what he was going for, like, could have <laughs> well, done it he better. Was, he said, like, okay, he said one in one interview that he was like, he said, like, I was connecting to this idea that our first and foremost societal fear is this thing of an attack or an invader coming in who's been plotting something against us. And the only thing more terrifying than that is the feeling of what our part in those tragedies are, even if we're still the victim. So it's like when you look at this family who's just going on their merry way and then they're attacked without need, it's sort of like the story becomes like, well, what was Adelaide's role in it? What were these characters part in ignoring? That feels like like victim blaming. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, so what did you walk away thinking the movie was trying to say, or did you just think, oh, it's just a horror film? Like it's just a slasher pick? No, I mean, it's definitely trying to say something, but I was a little mm. bit muddied on, like, okay, there's these people who are so okay i guess let's get into the twist now because we sort of need to in order to break this down so the the twist of the movie i guess well there's multiple but that the government has been keeping like doppelganger versions of everybody or clone these people they keep them in tunnels below the united states and they basically act out what the actual version of you is doing above ground so there's just all these people like shells of people below ground acting out what you're doing above and the government has created these but then at some point the government sort of just like leaves them down there it's a failed experiment they don't do anything about it but the twist is that when young adelaide meets her doppelganger in the fun house at the beginning of the movie in this flashback they actually switch places so the doppelganger Mm -hmm. then has been living the entire life above ground with the family and this child who is not a clone, who is sentient, is, like, down living with all of these, like, shells of people, all of the the tethered, as they're called, all these doppelgangers, and basically, like, creates an insurgence where she gets all of these people together, they're all going to go above ground, they're all going to murder the people who are up there, and then, for whatever reason, they're going to take part in the Hands Across America (laughs) campaign from the 80s, uh, where they'll all stand well, with their hands connected. It's like, okay, <laughs> I can. Well, see. it was like it was the last thing that she watched before she went down. Right. Like, the, like, yes, there's a connection there, but that that image of like hands across America and all of these people who've like just murdered their doppelgangers spread across. Like that is a very strange image. And I feel like one that definitely has a lot of like meaning baked into it of like these people coming up to do this hands across America. That campaign was supposed to raise a bunch of money for Africa. And it turned out that the money was like misallocated. (laughs) So really the charities barely got any of it. Also that campaign was unsuccessful. And the fact that they tried to get this like, chain across the country but they (laughs) couldn't because there was too many people in the cities and there was nobody out in like the middle of nebraska so uh, there was a lot going on there but i was struggling to like pull it together into a cohesive picture other than the fact that you could kind of take a piece from here and a piece from there and string it together to be whatever you wanted which is kind of how i felt about the last season of lost where it's like you could (laughs) sit there and watch it and come up with whatever you wanted but does that make that a good season or does that make it a bad season because it doesn't have a clear like 
or even multiple well, clear like focal I, points. Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack with like this universe and this idea of Adelaide and Red switching places. But at the heart of it, like I really walked away thinking like I mean, and Jordan Peele has said like this is a this is a movie about duality. This is about good and evil. This is how we are our own worst enemy, which is why you know it's called us. It's their doppelgangers, like it's their mirrors Mm -hmm. and so to me it was just like a really interesting film to kind of see how he laid these little easter eggs and breadcrumbs to kind of fuel this thematic exploration of how you know i don't know like there's this double meaning to everything and there's like this idea that we have this nation that's divided and there's like the haves and the have-nots and there's capitalism and there's politics that keep the powerful in power and unaware of their own like role in the subjugation of the lessers. And so I thought that was what was most interesting is because it turns out in the end that Adelaide is in fact one of the reds that she rose to like the better the halves of it all and has to struggle with either does she feel guilty does she remember does she is she proud of this should we root for her should we be against her like red is a victim now but she's also a villain and so it's sort of like a very interesting think piece about like well what is our responsibility to these to this culture we've created to this Mm -hmm. environment we've created and i thought that was what was most interesting about the movie and what made it more fun is like, sure, we could get into the logistics of it all and kind of ask like, well, how did this work? How did that work? But I thought it was a really interesting metaphor about like the U.S. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that that interpretation of it makes a lot of sense and also is a really good one. I just am not sure that that is what he was necessarily like, you know, there's just so <laughs> much there. The Like moving on from yeah. the interpretations... I think that a thing that has come under fire in a lot of situations is the like logistics of this because he purposefully takes what I think is like maybe the wrong and more difficult choice of steering away from some kind of like supernatural reason for having these doppelgangers. I mean, I think the easy choice and maybe the better choice, the more simple choice is like, Oh, you know, there was like, you had a, there was like a witch doctor who did that or, you know, something like supernatural (laughs) to create these doubles. Like, Oh, there was somebody made a deal with the devil, you know, whatever. Right. But instead he goes the route of, okay, there was like a government facility under the country that created these clones and then they were sort of just left there but then there's so many questions of like (laughs) well how do these tunnels work what if the what if the person you're tethered to goes away from the tunnel what if they fly overseas what if they're in a car how do you keep that if the if the people above ground like have sex and have a kid like do the clones have the same kid did they is a new clone made are like well the the, young adeline stumbles upon this in a funhouse like fair Fairly easily, but nobody in the history of the United States has like realized that there's all these people just like crawling around, you know, 20 feet below them. That's part of the mystery, right? It's like, well, Adelaide didn't stumble upon it. Red found her and got out. So it's like, who else has gotten out? No one knows. Some people have created a theory that Jason, the son, is actually tethered too. And like, that's why he was able to manipulate Pluto to kind of walk back into the fire. And so... I think that side of the universe is like, ooh, what? But what gets me is 
So the whole idea is Red can communicate better than the other tethered because she was actually one of the young. She was a human and she was stuck down there. So suddenly I'm just asking questions like, well, why did the tethered have a classroom if they're constantly like interacting as their mirror images like when do they have time to sit down and learn and is she teaching them like how is she communicating with them because basically she just does hand motion and weird sounds to kind of be like go do this husband but how does she get an entire nation of underground moles to kind of rise up and know exactly what to do and where to stand in line and how did she you know i just i start to ask questions like that and and i think she says like oh they abandoned the project but what i walked away from which i don't i don't know if anyone else has thought this so i'm not like trying to be like crazy here but i just don't trust red as a narrator because she was eight or nine when she went down there why would she know the history of the tethered like do they keep books about how they were created do they have records of like who created them and when they abandoned the project or is this just some tiny little girl's fantasy and she's just trying to make sense of a world she doesn't understand she probably can't fully remember and so she just makes this sort of fairy tale dark though it is to kind of explain their existence like i just don't trust her as a narrator because how can you she has no experience to draw from but then my other question is is like if she got taken down there how come she didn't leave at some point said she just stays right. in there forever there was really no like guard mechanism at all red got <laughs> out pretty easily and also if if the person tethered is supposed to be doing the same thing that the person above is doing like how did she how did red like have enough like sentience or wherewithal or whatever to meet her in the fun house and get her out and and you know switch places with her in the first place and then the biggest question of all is where in the world did they bulk order these very fancy scissors from everybody has a pair of these gorgeous scissors (laughs) like hundreds of thousands of pairs where did they come from (laughs) well that's how they and their jumpsuits i guess i mean the real question is a matter of biology like how are they not all dying from disease from just eating raw rabbits or not getting any vitamin d exposure Mm -hmm. and how do they all have the same children at the same time like there must be a lot of rape going on since none of these people are sentient enough to consent especially red if she was stuck down there knowing she's human but i think that is what brings me to the most interesting question is like do you think adelaide and or red like how much do you think they each remembered? Like, do you think they knew? Do you think they realized? Like, what do you think? I mean, I think that clearly the red, I guess the attacker who was originally above ground and then was taken downstairs. I mean, I think she clearly remembers things because like she remembers his hands across America. She, mm-hmm. you know, she's old enough that she would remember things. It's not like she was three or four when she was taken. I think that probably at some point in like the psychological testing that Adelaide goes through and the, that she's like sort of been able to repress those memories more. But I mm-hmm. don't think red seems like she's like alpha blood. Like this is a very calculated plan that she's got going on as strange as it is. So I think that she remembers stuff and is like looking for revenge because somehow or another, she orchestrated a mass attack across the (laughs) whole country with a bunch of idiot clones. So, (laughs) well, so everyone has like vengeance, right? Like everyone's happy to kill their others. So they have to have some sort of like 
sentience to be like, this is unfair that you've gotten this good life and I haven't. So I'm going to stab you in the throat right now and put on your lip gloss and like enjoy life. And I think that's what's interesting is to wonder like how how much they knew and then to think okay so jason's doppelganger pluto has a burned up face because jason's been playing with a you know a magic trick that's supposed to ignite fire but it never works for him but who knows how pluto is making that happen down below but it's sort of like well where do they get these clothes and where do they get these props and like how how literal do they have to be and if and if a if an above ground person dies, then what happens to the tethered? Do they just have to kill themselves in a similar way? Because, you know, if someone dies in a car wreck, it's not like the tethered will then die in a car wreck. They'll have to just, what, like murder themselves? Like, that's what I want to know is the logistics of that interaction. And when did they have time to sit down and plan a, you know, national uprising? It's like, how did they send letters between the tunnels in California and the tunnels in New York City, you know? Can I pitch you on uh, on an alternate <laughs> idea for this movie? Okay. So I think that the a big problem with this is just scale. The fact that he decided that instead of... I, I love the premise in the fact that there's people who look just like you who are standing outside your house at night and they're trying to kill you with these weird scissors. Like, golden. Like, yes, sell me that movie. I want to <laughs> see it a million times over. It's so great. Where I think this movie loses steam is when it's not just your family, but it's everybody in the United States and there was this whole secret underground lab. Like, I think it's just <laughs> too big. I think that it needs to be like just his like just this family or just one town like if you're gonna go the science way of like oh this is cloned i think it needs to be like a small grouping of people who like i don't know that's more contained and makes more sense or i think you need to go the route of some kind of like supernatural element the reason why like hereditary (laughs) works so well is because it's a supernatural element. So it can turn the the pieces that are like a little bit more unbelievable or a little strange. You right. can just say like, just okay, like, oh, well, it's, it's a cult. It's so, so yeah, yeah, it's magic. So that's why this works where there's no explaining that away in this movie. <laughs> and I think that if, if there had been some tweaks, like that's some small tweaks, he still could have made this movie and done the thing with the tethered, but it just would have been, a little bit more manageable. But we wouldn't have Elizabeth Moss's great performance yes, as her tether, which was one of the best parts of the movie. Elizabeth Moss was just great. The, the like she stole every scene she was in i felt like like yeah. her on the beach was great her <laughs> in her house as herself was great with the bit with the like alexis or whatever when she's or yes. alexa or whatever Ophelia. she's trying to talk to it her <laughs> as her double is like she was fantastic really everybody yeah. i thought did a good job acting Everyone in this movie great. lupita nyong'o is great the oh, daughter yeah, the amazing. creepy version of the daughter is like <laughs> real creepy she did a great yeah. job with that slick back I was hair gonna say it was everyone was really good at playing doubles so well that i forgot they were played by the same actor yes like, usually you can pretty much i mean they're twins so you can tell but it's like i mean especially winston duke who just plays this like grunting madman and yeah. then elizabeth moss who's like this 
freaking creepy white girl. It was like really cool to see them totally inhabit different characters, even though they, you know, are obviously the same actor. So I thought they all did really good. And I think it was the fact that there was so much cool stuff going on in the movie that kind of allowed me to just be like, you know what? Maybe there are some plot holes. Maybe there are some questions that can't be answered. But there's enough good going on that I don't mind it. Like, I feel like I would give this movie a solid six or seven out of ten. Another thing, though, completely separate of all of this that annoyed me in this movie (laughs) is that it's a horror movie and it wasn't nearly scary enough. But I think the reason why it's not scary enough and a thing that always bugs the crap out of me whenever I watch horror movies is if you have kids in the horror movies you know that the kids are not going to die. Like you, it just sucks so much of the tension out of scenes <laughs> because you know, they're not going to kill these kids. And so it's like any scene where, well, they killed Pluto and they, well, killed the yes, they killed the doppelgangers, doppelganger. but they're not going to kill the sweet little like real life children. And so yeah. any scene where it's like, someone's going to try to kill them, you know, isn't going to happen. Lupita Nyong'o is the main character of the movie. So, you know, she's not going to die until the end. And I felt like the moment when Winston Duke's character didn't die in that opening, house raid i was like okay they're all making it to the end so it just sucks so much (laughs) steam out of it and what you want in a horror movie is like anybody can die at any point you want yeah Yeah. well i mean that's what the genre is you want like you want it to be scary you want to have it feel that all of these characters like are in play i mean yes maybe there's like a main character who you don't think will die till the end but you want that element of like what's going to happen like unpredictability and when yeah when it's a horror movie and it's so predictable that you can like bet on okay this person's not gonna die this person's not gonna (laughs) die like it's just it loses a lot of the interest for me i can see that i mean it's definitely not like it and it's I mean, and it's definitely not like gruesome and gory and like horrific, but I think Jordan Peele operates on that almost just a psychological thriller level because Get Out has a similar energy where it's like a lot less about how gruesome can we make this murder and like how much can I make you jump out of your seat? And it's more like how creepy can you walk away feeling? And I think that's also what he said about like leaving all these loose ends is he's said like, I think horror movies mess things up when the answers are too easy and it's all tied up in a nice neat bow because then you can just walk out of the theater and think, okay, cool, like done. Like I get that universe. It's over. It's packaged. It's neatly put away. And so he likes making these movies that are like, well, what does it mean? Like, what does this mean? Like, how did that work? What if that's real? And so I think you know, we should just give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit more. So said the kid in my sophomore creative writing <laughs> class. Um, but you have to admit, like, the Easter eggs in here, the layers and thought he's put into, like, background images and details was really interesting. Yes, it was. I just want him to put that level of thought into, like, completing <laughs> the movie. Like, the thing is, get out, for, for it not being as scary as I wanted it to be, is great in the fact that it's 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 such a perfect world that he's building. He's built this great world that fits really well and that all like connects together in a really interesting way. And I don't think that whatever feeling of unnerviness that he is trying to create at the end of this movie, I feel like a lot of the people who I have talked to were not necessarily as unnerved so much as they were confused or annoyed <laughs> that things were like too jumbled that they couldn't put the pieces together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But moving away from like, was this 
like a good movie was that like did this make sense <laughs> so obviously get out was a huge came out like at the same time of year two years ago uh, turned out to be a big oscar contender was nominated for best picture won best screenplay uh you know got daniel kaluuya an acting nomination there was a lot of awards traction. Do you think that this movie will continue on in that same trajectory? Or don't you think that this is like in that same space? Like, what do you think its awards chances are? Because it's definitely in that conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is it's very well done. And the music alone is like super unsettling, but beautiful score. So I wouldn't be surprised if that got nominated. I would not be surprised if Lupita got nominated. I frankly wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Peele got nominated again for either screenplay or directing. And there were some really beautiful shots, like the entire finale fight between Red and Adelaide, where they're dancing in the shadows, I thought was so cool to watch and like was still like absorbing when you watched it the second time and so and there's that shot of them walking on the beach with their shadows like it's just I thought there were a lot of cool really technically sound things going on so I Mm -hmm. wouldn't be surprised if it still got some attention in the award circuit yeah and and one thing that I had not realized until somebody else pointed this out to me was that this is Lupita Nyong'o's first leading role in a movie which seems crazy to me so I could definitely see her getting the best actress nomination I mean that she's doing so much and she's playing two different characters and you know is doing this creepy voice like she's once upon a time (laughs) I mean that that was pretty good thank you maybe not as good as mine from earlier in the episode but you (laughs) know I call it beyond <laughs> the rain. <laughs> sick now. That is uncanny. Working. That is like, yeah. That's disturbing. <laughs> My gosh. I know. I know. It's a great little party trick. I'll be able to pull out now. So here's a question for you. The in this movie, all of the tethered sort of like picked one aspect of their person, and like that was kind of the. Like a like the girl likes to run, and so her tethered is like a big runner. Uh, like Elizabeth Moss, like had wanted to be an actor at some point, so her tethered is kind of like this weird actress. Like if you, if a version, if a tethered version of you showed up, what what would its like weird quirk be? Oh man, I guess I I guess probably just I don't know. I mean, either eating a lot of food or <laughs> just watching a lot of TV. You know, it's like there's <laughs> that's my personality really cut down the middle. It's one or the other. <laughs> just be like carbo loading on pasta, honestly. Or maybe your um tethered would be making Rob's tethered take pictures of her. That could also be an option. <laughs> yeah. You're right. That would definitely be it. That would a hundred percent be it. And my husband's tethered would just be wanting to kill himself every day. So <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> yes. What would yours be? Just improv or I mean yeah probably drinking... drinking Slurpees is a is an yeah. is an easy choice. Uh yeah, yeah doing improv. Yeah. Um telling people about my podcast annoyingly that's a <laughs> that's a favorite yeah for sure for sure i mean i guess i wondered if you had to go on vacation with one of the tethered we saw in this movie who would you pick you know i love a freaky freak and i think i'd probably go with the <laughs> weird running girl just because like <laughs> i liked her yeah. her creepy attitude if i had to pick somebody <laughs> 
I definitely here's the thing. I would not pick Lupita Nyong'o's character because the rate that she talked was so excruciating. She talks too much. Yeah. No, she talks too slow. Like get it <laughs> out, girl. I could not like sit there and her listen bo- her, to her vocal cords were damaged okay By she can't what, help though? it how were they damaged she was choked as a kid wow she was choked and then mm. and then she had that trauma and there's some disorder that happens where you get that sort of vocal fry so okay. that was real she talked about it <laughs> yeah but then i also read an article about people who were saying that that was like uh she shouldn't have used an actual <laughs> issue that people have to like portray an evil person because now that's going to it's complicated but in reality is she evil or is she just trying to get back what is rightfully hers you know well she orchestrated a mass murder across (laughs) the country with scissors so i'm gonna say evil girl she doesn't she doesn't Mm, she's not a little girl when she does it so you know (laughs) yeah yeah. years of eating raw rabbit might have gone to her head (laughs) would you have picked one of these people to go on vacation with I probably would have gone with Elizabeth Moss. I think she could have had, she could have been a fun time. You know, oh, yeah. Good company. <laughs> yes. When she's not carving Trying her own lip. face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, there were a lot of creepy elements that I thought were just fun and clever and just creepy enough for me. So I guess that's probably also why I was a fan. I think I'm also coming off of a year that had Hereditary and Halloween, which were just two such incredible horror films that when this one got so much buzz, I was like, yes, like complete the trifecta for me. And this just didn't have (laughs) the same amount of oomph as I needed it to be. Right. I'm looking forward to Pet Cemetery, which is coming out next week because it looks like <laughs> yeah, it's looks going pretty awful. Full that looks right up your alley. Creepy. Yeah. And there's yeah, a dead I kid in it. So it. sign me up yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one Easter egg I have to point out because I saw it on the second go around and then we can be done talking about this. But it was really interesting. And I think it plays into this bigger theme of like the US and whatever else political social commentary there uh-huh. um the fun house in 1986 is decorated with a painting a, a pretty stereotypical slash racist painting of a chief and then in the today's world it's been painted over to be the more you know pc merlin and so it just they just try there's just this fun element where they literally just tried to gloss over you know our poor history with native americans and just ignore it and we just forget where we came from and there's just there's just layers there guys so i think the point is you guys have to see it more than once that's that's my that's my takeaway my spiel Uh, if i had more time i would you know when this like comes out on dvd or whatever i will enjoy watching it a second time yeah there's a lot of fun Easter eggs just as far as what songs he uses and yes. what movies he has in the shots and the Jeremiah 1111 and mm-hmm. the motif of 11 everywhere. So it's like there's a lot to puzzle out and it did scratch that itch I've had since Lost went off air and I recognize its flaws. But ultimately, it was a refreshing film and I think I'll always appreciate those big swings. So Yeah, I think this might surprise people, but I would say this is a movie you should go see now. Uh, I did not love it necessarily, but I think it's like, it's zeitgeisty. It's in the culture. Seeing it now, you will get more out of it and will have more conversations about it than if you wait until it comes out on DVD. Yeah. And plus, we want to support diversity. And this is like the first major horror film to star 
a black family that's not at all about them being black, you know? Yeah. And none of the cast members drink fit tea. So that's another, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, good reason to support them. Do you have anything else about this movie before we wrap up this week's episode? No, I just I wish she'd liked it more. But this is just par for the course in our <laughs> podcast, I guess. I mean, I liked it. I did. I mean, it's a net positive movie. I think yeah. I think this suffers again from the thing where I went in with too high of expectations. And okay. then it wasn't as scary as I wanted it to be. And the ending was kind <laughs> of confusing. But it was a good movie. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't a bad yeah. movie. It was definitely better than a lot of other things we've watched. So <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. 100%. But uh, what are we doing next week, Shelby? Tell them. Next week, we're doing Shazam! Something a little more lighthearted. And I guess I I would presume more people would see it. But I I guess I'm not sure. So I'll probably watch Pet Cemetery as well. So we'll be getting a review of that (laughs) at some point. Yeah, either I'll complain about it or really like it. But we'll definitely be discussing Shazam, starring one of the kids from It. So, you know, everything ties together in this horror verse. Oh, perfect. And in the meantime, you can leave us a review. Follow us on social media at PS You're Wrong. Shelby is back and cranking out (laughs) stuff on the old Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Flexing that muscle again. Getting back into it after vacation. (sighs) Uh, really we should all be thanking our lucky stars that her vacation picks didn't somehow or another drift over into the <laughs> ps you're wrong instagram account you're i'm right. sure that's coming at some point something yes yeah. <laughs> who's ready for the weekend shelby is here's a pic of her in a pool <laughs> yeah. that's a really good idea no. i'll go work on that no You'll see it tomorrow for sure <laughs> Okay, well, we will see you guys back again next week. Until then, uh, bye, everybody. Bye.